glad you're here tonight. Um, we're continuing in our Philippians series, and uh, if I was to ask you what worries you, what makes you anxious, chances are you could come up with something. Because if we're honest, all of us struggle at, at some level with anxiety and worry. I can remember a time, it was shortly after, about a month after getting married actually, and uh, we had moved out of state. Um, I had started graduate school. Uh, I had just had surgery on my foot. I was unable to work. Sarah, my wife, was working part-time at Starbucks. She was out there. She'd had a few job interviews for full-time jobs, um, but those had fallen through, and, and times were tight financially, like it is for most of us uh, as newlyweds. And um, I remember laying in bed one night, um, listening to the clock as it went from one o'clock towards two o'clock. And, and I was laying there worried because that afternoon I had done our finances and uh, I had done some calculations. And if my calculations were correct, we had enough money to make it about another month, maybe. And that was assuming that, you know, Sarah was able to continue to get the same amount of hours that she was getting at Starbucks. And as I lay there and as the clock ticked from one to two and I was unable to fall asleep, I could just, I could feel the anxiety. It was tangible. I was sick thinking about what was going to happen to us if we didn't come up with uh, money and if we, our financial situation didn't change. Have you ever been there? Maybe not with your finances, but have you ever been there? Maybe it was a relationship or an illness or uh, something with your uh, children and you were so worried, literally, you could feel the anxiety that physically you were different because of your worry. You know, we live in a culture that in many ways uh, reinforces and drives our worry. All you have to do is turn on the, the TV to any one of the cable news networks and you see a whole host of stories that can make you worried. Or, or listen to these statistics. Uh, these are from some various news and polling organizations out there. They polled Americans about what worries them. 59% of Americans worry about not being able to afford health care. 75% of Americans worry about themselves or someone close to them getting a serious illness. 42% worry about being a victim of gun violence. 58% worry about global warming. 40% worry about losing their job. 39% worry about not being able to pay their rent or mortgage. 26%, that's one in four Americans, worry about paying for groceries or their utility bills. I mean, food, that's a basic need, right? 38% of people worry about being the victim of a terrorist attack. 54% of people are worried about what might happen this Christmas if the wrong family member shows up at the gathering. 66% of Element City Church is now worried about that because I brought it up. And 88% think all statistics are made up, which actually the last two really were made up. I, I, they were. But all you got to do is turn on the news, right? And you see stories, stories that make you nervous, right? The economy, healthcare, what's going to happen? The Republicans did this, the Democrats did that. And this, it just goes on and on and on. And if you watch it for too long, you know, eventually you'll start to get nervous about 
Stuff that you didn't even know you needed to be nervous about. I mean, even the good stories, right? Even the good stories make us anxious sometimes. You see a, a story about a child who's battling uh, an illness and the doctors aren't sure there's a cure and the parents are sitting there and the parents are in tears. And of course, this little boy or girl is so brave and, you know, there's a the nice music in the background and everything. And you're just like, oh, wow, that's incredible. And then it's like, what if that was my kid? Oh no, what if that happens to my child? What if I was that parent? What if that was my child? How would my child respond? What would happen? How would we make it? How would I respond? And suddenly the stories that are supposed to make you feel good have suddenly brought you back into anxiety and worry. And you're worried, what if my child gets ill? Or you're worried, what if I get ill? You know, 10, 15 years ago, um, if you got uh, sick or if you felt like something was wrong, you would go to the doctor But today is the age of the internet. Today is the age of WebMD. Now, how many of you have used WebMD? Okay, good. Rest of you, you're way ahead of us. Don't use WebMD, okay? Here's the deal. WebMD is a ploy designed to show the crazy people in life, okay? Because if you go onto WebMD and you're like, man, my my elbow hurts. And so you put in symptoms, sore elbow. And they give you this range of possibilities, right? And it could be that it could be a sprain. It could be, you know, bursitis, tennis elbow, or it could be terminal bone cancer. Right now, now think about this. If I go to my doctor and I'm like, you know, I'm really worried that I've got bone cancer. He says, why? Well, you know, my elbow hurts and WebMD said, I'm going to look crazy, right? So, you know, we have so much in our lives that makes us worried. We, uh, we struggle with this idea of worry and anxiety. And, and like, if you haven't picked up on it, you know, I struggle with this. I am very prone to anxiety and worry. That's my default response in most situations. And because God has a fantastic sense of humor, it just so happens that tonight, as we're going through the book of Philippians, we're getting to the beginning part of chapter four, where Paul addresses this idea of worry and anxiety. And what we're going to see tonight is incredible. We're going to discover that it is possible to live life free of anxiety and worry, that they don't have to cripple us. They don't have to debilitate us. Now, before we do that, though, we kind of need to get down and we need to look at the roots of why it is that we struggle with anxiety and worry. And when I say we, I'm specifically talking here about Christians. And and if you're here and you're not a Christian, I'm glad you're here. Tonight is a great night for you to be here because what we're going to talk about tonight, really, I believe, is one of the reasons that you ought to consider becoming a Christian. Because I know that every single person in here struggles with worry and anxiety. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, what we're going to discover tonight could potentially apply to you. And and you say, well, of course, you're the, the preacher. You're supposed to say that. But just hear me out on this, okay? I know that there are things in your life that cause you worry. There are things in your life that make you anxious. Maybe you stay up at night worrying about the the what ifs and the could be's and all the potential scenarios. And and here's what I want to say to you, that God knows about that and that God cares about that. And, you know, sometimes you'll hear people say that, well, you become a Christian and, and life gets easy. God wants you to be healthy and wealthy and happy all the time and And let me just tell you, if you ever hear that from someone, that person does not know what their Bible says. The Bible says that that Jesus, when he was here, he told his disciples, he said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But he also said this, and, and check this out. This is so remarkable. 
He said, you see those little birds, little sparrows up in the air? Not one of them falls to my ground without my Father in heaven knowing about it. And God cares far more about you than he does about the birds. Now think about that. That the God of the universe, that he cares more about you than he does about anything else in this world. That he cares about what you're feeling. He cares about your worries. He cares about your anxieties. And he does not want you to live with them. That he knows your name, that he loves you. I don't know about you, but for me, that is a compelling reason to pursue God. Not because there's a guarantee that everything is going to turn out great, but because I know that no matter what happens, that God is there and that he's with me. And so if you're here and you're not a Christian, man, I would just... encourage you tonight as we go through and as we talk about this to really think about that because for those of us who are here who have said you know what i'm placing my faith and trust in jesus death as the payment for my sins as my only hope of being in a right relationship with god for those of us who are here who continue to struggle with anxiety and worry and let's face it we all do there is hope available and we're going to see that here tonight. But first we got to kind of dig up. We got to get the roots out of the ground. Okay. You can't just cut the top of the weeds off. If the roots are still there, it'll grow back. And so we need to kind of unearth what is the biggest reason why we struggle with anxiety and worry. And really, I think there's two reasons they're related. The first reason is our desire to feel like we are in control. The illusion, and let's face it, that's all it is, is an illusion. The illusion that we can control our circumstances. And when we're healthy, when all of our relationships are in order, when the money is there, then, you know, there's a sense in which we are in control, so to speak. And, you know, this desire to be in control, for some of us, it comes because of our past experiences. Maybe you had an illness. Maybe you had something happen to you financially that kind of puts you on the brink. It almost pushed you over the edge. Maybe you had a relationship that that went sideways. You had a marriage that went sideways. And because of that, you worry about it happening again. And so there's this desire in us to try and, and control our circumstances and control our situation. For others of us, you're like me. You struggle with this because of your personality. Because you're type A. You want everything to be in order all the time. And when everything is in order, you feel great. But when things get out of order, you just your whole life is wrecked and you worry and you're anxious about anything, everything. Or maybe uh, you wouldn't describe yourself um, as a type A person, but you still struggle with this idea. Except chances are um, you maybe don't think of it as wanting to be in control. You think of it as you say, well, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that everyone get along. I'm just concerned about my finances. I'm just concerned about my kids. And yes, you are concerned. But as someone who lived in that world for so long and tried to convince myself over and over again that I was just concerned, let me just tell you in a loving way, stop. Don't go on. Just admit it. There is something freeing about admitting the fact that you struggle with control. Because if you're going to fight against those tendencies to control then the first part uh, in dealing with that is to acknowledge it and to say, you know what? I want to be in control. Now, some of you are here and you have more of the carefree personality, right? You're like a job, no big deal. If I don't find one, I'll just move back in with mom and dad. Um, That's why your mom and dad are worried is because they think you're moving back in. 
or, or maybe you're like, you know, my health, I just, you know, we're all going to die eventually, so I'm just going to eat what I want, and I don't really like to exercise because it hurts, it's not any fun, I'm not going to take care of myself, and okay, and, and if that's you, and that's kind of your personality, and you're more laid back, and, and I would just say to you, is that really how you feel? Or maybe, instead of trying to control your circumstances, you're trying to control your emotions and your response to your circumstances instead, because that's a form of control. See, if we're honest, all of us struggle at some level with control. And that's how our world ended up the way it did, isn't it? Adam and Eve in the garden, God gives them incredible freedom. He says, you can eat from any tree you want except one. And they said, "Ah, we'd like the ability to control our own decision making. And so they ate what God had said not to. And in the process, our world became broken and sinful and fallen. Our desire to feel like we're in control is one of the reasons that we struggle so much with worry and anxiety. But really, that's just a symptom of the second reason that we struggle. And the second reason is that we lack trust in God. At the heart of every worry and anxiety we have is the question, can God be trusted? Can God be trusted to take care of my needs? Can God be trusted to take care of my family? Can God be trusted to keep me healthy? Can God really be trusted to take care of me in the circumstances of life? And you hear that and you want to push back on that. You want to say, no, I do trust God. And I get that because I want to push back too. I want to say, no, I do trust God. But the truth is we, we know intellectually that we should trust God. We know maybe intellectually that we can trust God. But experientially, especially for those of us that struggle so much with worry and anxiety, what we're saying in those moments is, "Ah, God, I'm just not sure if you're really holding me right now. I'm just not sure if I can really trust you with this. At the heart of every concern, anxiety, and worry we have is the question, can God be trusted? See, we we desire to feel like we're in control, and, and that leads us to a place where we have to to ask the question, do we really trust God? Those are are kind of the two big reasons. Those are what's at the root. For those of us who are here who are Christians, when we struggle with anxiety and worry in our lives. But the good news is it does not have to be that way. And we're going to see tonight an alternative. And what the Apostle Paul has to say in Philippians chapter 4 is incredible. We're going to be in uh, chapter 4 starting in verse 6. Listen to what he says about this. He says, Do not... Be anxious about anything. And if you're like me, you read that and then you stop and you start formulating objections. And you're like, well, now, Paul, you need to understand something. Um, You have not lived in the year 2013. You do not understand what's going on with health care and rising health care costs in this country. You do not understand what it's like to be in a culture that, that doesn't find Christianity to be very popular. You don't understand what it's like to worry about what will happen if you share your faith with your family or your friends or your coworkers. Uh, you don't know what it's like to live in a world where you're worried about possibly losing your house, that you've put so much of your uh, in money that you've earned over the course of your life into. I'm sorry, Paul, it's all good and well that you say, do not be anxious, but I'm just not sure that you really understand what that's like because you don't live in 2013. You live a long time ago. And Paul would say, no, you're right. I, I don't know what it's like in 2013, but let me tell you what it's like about the year 62 AD. 
Let me tell you about my experiences. See, I know what it's like, Paul would say, I know what it's like to not have any food, to not have any clothing beyond what you're wearing, to not have any shelter, to not have a house to go to. I know what it's like to, to share my faith and then get beaten for it and have that happen multiple times. I know what it's like to be shipwrecked. I know what it's like to be thrown into jail after being beaten and to be chained to a guard who can basically treat you however he wants. And yeah, this healthcare thing, that sounds serious, but I'm not even really sure what healthcare is all about because after they beat me, they throw me in prison and I'm lucky if I don't get an infection because they don't come to clean the wounds out. And so you're right. I don't know what it's like to live in the year 2013, but I do know what it's like to be alive in the first century. And by the way, when I wrote these words, when I said, do not be anxious, I was under house arrest in Rome, awaiting my trial before Caesar, the most powerful man in the world, a man who literally controls whether I would live or die. And so maybe, just maybe, you ought to listen to what I'm about to say, because it has the potential to completely change your day-to-day experience as a Christian. Do not be anxious about anything, but, and now he's going to give us the alternative in the rest of the verse, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. See the key to being anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. The key to being anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. That means when you find yourself worrying about something, you pray about it. If you're worried about your job, you pray about it. If you're worried about your finances, you pray about it. If you're worried about your health or your health care, you pray about it. You're worried about your children. You lift them up to God. When you are worried, you pray. The key to being anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. In every situation, it's specific prayer offered with a thankful heart that moves God to change us. And let's face it, it's not God who changes, it's us who changes. It's our response when we change. Thankful means that we come to a place where we say, God, I'm I'm grateful for what you've done. I'm grateful for how you've saved me. I'm grateful for how you've taken care of me in the past. And even though I'm worried and anxious about this right now, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to lift this up to you. I'm going to present this to you because right now I'm struggling with the desire to be in control. I'm struggling to trust you, God. I need you to help me to trust in you because I know God, I know that I can trust you, but I want to experience that in my life. I want to experience a peace that's going to come over me. I want to experience that, God. See, we don't pray to inform God of our situation. Because Jesus said, he said, you know what? God knows what you need. He knows what you need. So we don't pray so that God might be changed. We pray so that we might be changed. We pray so that our perspective might change. We pray so that our focus might shift away from our circumstances and the things that worry us and make us anxious. And instead, they go squarely on God and the fact that he is in control. And when we do that, when we offer a heartfelt prayer of gratitude to God. He hears our prayer and it brings with us an incredible 
promise. Listen to verse 7. This is amazing. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Present your requests. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a little bit difficult to pick up on this in our English translations, but the way that, that Paul links these two statements together in the original Greek, it shows the certainty of the outcome. This is a promise that when you offer heartfelt prayers of gratitude to God, that you will experience the peace of God, a peace that covers both your hearts and your minds. In other words, it's a holistic peace that every aspect of your life that's concerned and consumed by worry will be touched by this peace of God that's going to protect you and guard you. Uh, this word guard, it was used for uh, a company of soldiers that would stand guard around a city. And the Philippians, who Paul was writing to, would have immediately understood this because they lived in a city where there was a group of Roman soldiers who would stand guard around their city. And Paul is saying that when you offer heartfelt prayers of gratitude to God about those circumstances in your life that make you anxious and worried, that this transcendent, beyond comprehension peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a guarantee. See, this is another reason why if you're not a Christian, you ought to consider becoming a Christian. You ought to consider planting that flag in the ground and saying, you know what, from this point forward, I'm going to trust in Jesus, in his death, his resurrection as the payment for my sins. And as my only hope of having a right relationship with God, because peace is in the midst of life circumstances is available. Peace in terms of knowing that I have a right relationship with God, that God loves me and God delights in me, that is available for those of us who are what Paul calls in this verse, in Christ Jesus. See, here's what we discover in these verses about worry and anxiety and how we can deal with them. That we are to pray until the peace comes. We pray until... The peace comes. That's what we discover in these verses. You pray until the peace comes. When you're worried, when you're anxious, when you're laying there and you can't sleep and you, you have all the could-be's and the what-is running through your mind, you've got to pray until the peace comes. And when you're worried about your children, you're worried about your health care, you're worried about your finances, you're worried about your family, your friends, your relationships, your marriage, you pray until the peace comes, regardless of the circumstances in which you find yourself. When you get worried, when you get anxious, you pray until the peace comes. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. It's the same thing I would be thinking. Well, how long is that going to take? Right? Because you're type A, you got a schedule to keep. You'd like to know what to expect. And so you would like me to tell you, you know, well, if you could just give me an idea of how long I'm going to have to pray until I'm suddenly no longer worried or anxious. I would appreciate that. And the answer is that you will pray until the peace comes and that will take as long as it takes. I don't know how long it's going to take. Sometimes it's going to be very quick and other times it may be a long time. And when I say pray until the peace comes, I'm not just talking about going and, and getting by yourself in a room or long formal prayers. I'm just talking about in the rhythm of your everyday life. When you find yourself in those circumstances that worry you, that's when you pray. And you pray until the peace comes. And then when the peace comes and then it, it, it starts to go away, you pray Again, well, well, what is this peace like? How will I know it? What if I miss it? You won't miss it. You'll know. 
And it's not because it's some uh, weird feeling that comes over you. You don't get goosebumps. And, and it's not as if your life is totally altered in that moment. There's just this sense that this thing that I was so worried about, so anxious about, I can move forward now. That's what the peace of God enables you to do. It enables you to move forward. And it's a process. It's not a one and done. It's something that becomes a part of the rhythm of our daily lives. This idea of praying until the peace comes. Here's the cool thing about it is that if you struggle with prayer, this uh, will help you practice what Paul talks about over in Thessalonians. He says, pray without ceasing. I mean, how's that? Your worry and anxiety uh, gets dealt with and you get to pray. It's two birds with one stone. I mean, that is, that's a sweet deal right there. Pray until the peace comes. And when it comes, man, there's nothing like it. Now go back six years ago to that night when I was laying there. I wish that I could tell you that I laid there and that I prayed until the peace came. And it was wonderful and I drifted off to sleep. But the truth is that I laid there and 2 o'clock turned into 3 o'clock and 3 o'clock turned into 4 o'clock. And I was consumed by worry. I was consumed by anxiety. And I realized something about myself in that moment. I realized how very little I trusted God. See, up until that point in my life, trusting God had largely been intellectual for me. It was something that I knew I could do. But experientially, I had not come to a place in my life where I had found out that, yes, God can really be trusted with the day-to-day circumstances in my life. And friends, that's exactly where God wanted me to be. It's exactly where he wanted me to be then, and it's exactly where he wants me to be now. And it's exactly where he wants you to be. At a place where you realize, you know what? I can't control my circumstances. I can't solve these problems. I can't do anything about what I'm facing. And God, I need you. Our heavenly father invites us to know him more intimately as a result of those things in our lives that make us more anxious and worried. Anxiety and worry can consume us. They can destroy us or they can draw us into a deeper relationship with our heavenly father. And that's what he desires. He desires to have that kind of a relationship where you trust in him, where your trust in him grows, that instead of being anxious and worried about something, that instead you turn your focus and attention to him, that you pray until you experience this incredible peace that washes over you. And then when the anxiety and the worry comes back, you pray again until the peace comes. See, the things that worry us in life, the things that make us anxious, they reveal what we're trusting in. They reveal what we care about the most, don't they? I mean, financial security, the ability to be healthy through medicine and exercise and diet, the ability to take care of our family, comfort, security. There's nothing inherently wrong with any of those desires. All of those are legitimate desires. But when they become the focal point, when they become what we're living for, when they become what's most important to us, that's when the worry and anxiety creeps in. And we fuel that by trying to take control of our circumstances. And in those moments, God is saying, no, 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 no. Just trust me. Just trust me. 
And we say, oh God, I don't know if you can be trusted. I mean, yes, I know. I, I know intellectually I should. I know the Bible says I should. I've seen it in other people's lives. But, but can I really trust you? And the fact of the matter is that you will never truly know God can be trusted until you give him a chance to prove he can be trusted. So here's your chance. That thing that worries you, that thing that makes you anxious, take it to God. Lay it before him. In the process, you'll discover that not only can he be trusted, but that he loves you and cares for you far more than you could have ever imagined. Let's pray. And um, as we pray, we'll do something a little bit different um, with the closing prayer tonight, because I know that, um, you know, when you talk about a topic like this, there's so many people uh, in so many places here, and I know that um, there's some people here that are struggling with this, just like I'm struggling with this. And so here's what I'd like to do kind of as we pray tonight, is that if, if you're here and you're going, man, there is something that, that I just, I need prayer for, because I am worried, I am anxious about it, then would you do this as we close in prayer? Would you just lift your hand? Just right now, where you're at, just lift your hand right with me because I'm lifting my hand too. Just lift your hand and say, God, I'm worried. I'm anxious. There's something that, that keeps me up. There's something that I worry about. I just want to pray especially for you tonight. Father, I pray for those that are here who are struggling, who are worried, who are anxious. God, would you allow us to experience your incredible peace? Would you allow us to experience the fact that you can be trusted. And as we do that, God, would you just show us how incredibly deep your love is for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to-